Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, bury the Lakers at Staples Center. 121-103, the final score on Monday. It was one of the worst games the Lakers have played on both sides of the ball in a while. People are starting to talk about Frank Vogel, Andy, and not such nice words. We'll do all of it next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. We get this thing up bright and early for you. Um, and hey, you know, check out another Locked On show when you're done. I like the Locked On Fantasy show, even though my fantasy team is a disaster right now. Um, want to let you know as well that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Um, Monday night, Andy, it was obviously a very uh, highly anticipated game with the return of Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball back in town, former Laker DeMar DeRozan. Uh, linked to the team, Zach Levine, um, you know, who is you know, an L.A. product. Um, and uh, it was it, this this was a, a tough one. No LeBron, but the Lakers against a good team in Chicago now 10 and four after that win looked superior to the Lakers in basically every way. So as a sort of a litmus test of where the Lakers are as they head out onto the road on a difficult road trip. Um, they kind of failed. <laughs> yeah, I, I would am I, say. Am, that I, that, am I wrong about this? No, I'd say that's a fair way of putting it. Um, Chicago had very clearly a uh, very specific game plan where they would prevent the Lakers from running at all costs, and they did a really good job. Um, they took really good care of the ball, and they, you know, for, until really towards the end of the game where everyone was just getting sloppy, but. The first half of the no, game, the parts only, that mattered, yes, yeah. Absolutely. First half of the game, they only had eight turnovers, um, and the Lakers, uh, at that point, I think were below uh, double digits for fast break points, and you know that right there is a big uh, elimination point for the Lakers in terms of trying to get the the best version of their offense. That in Chicago shot about sixty percent from the floor. Uh, well, I, also yeah, helped. they they had no ability to uh, run off misses. They were constantly taking the ball out of the basket, and then. They did not allow Anthony Davis the slightest opportunity to operate in the post in single coverage. They were throwing two, three bodies at him at all times. He could barely get a shot off in it the was, first half. He could barely get the ball to him. I the think they looked at the film from Sunday's game against San Antonio, and they said, okay, if the Lakers are going to beat us, it's not going to be that. Like, you know, they saw the way that Davis just – Dunk after dunk after dunk, uh, you know, just all this space to operate and said, we're taking that away and we'll see what happens from that. Because like you said, Andy, they were so aggressive with their their double teams. The double teams are coming sometimes triple teams without Davis even having the ball. Um, and they basically just dared the Lakers to find other ways to score. And they kind of did. You know, Russell Westbrook had a, had a, a very successful um, particularly first half offensively getting to the basket, finishing at the rim and, and all that kind of stuff. But after that, they kind of dared the Lakers to, to hit some outside shots and they couldn't. And 
they never really figured out a way to counter what it was that that Chicago was doing. I mean, certainly not consistently. And the, it, that frustration effect really carried over, you could tell, in the second half with Anthony Davis, who actually started to get going in the second half. The Lakers started getting a little bit better of getting him the ball. Um, and, well, he was higher on the floor. And he, right. You know, making those 18, 20-footers that he loves taking. He's totally happy to take those. Right. And he started making some shots, but then he ended up getting ejected in a really bizarre sequence. He... He didn't talk about it. Uh, he didn't talk, period, after the game. So it's hard to know for sure what happened. But what appeared to take place was as the Bulls were looking to inbound after, I believe, a Laker basket, Anthony Davis was still getting his shoe on. And the refs allowed Chicago to take the ball in. Anthony Davis appeared to say something to the effect of, the fuck, man, can I put my shoe on? And I, I'm not censoring myself because I want to make sure everybody got the full effect. Um, whatever he said was pretty demonstrative and, and yeah. out of pocket because the ref gave him one of the quickest ejections I've ever seen. Like the, yeah, the I ref, mean, like, you never know ref exactly like he was, what was being said. No, but the, re whatever, the ref but. looked like he was Mr. Rogers who showed up to a, like a Richard Pryor concert and was like, oh my, <laughs> the language. <laughs> like he looked, he looked personally offended by this. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you never quite know what's being said. You never know quite what is, uh, um, like how much has been going on throughout a game, because oftentimes the you know the straw that breaks the camel's back is you know not necessarily the the, the largest of all the straws. I think this was a very salty straw, though. Um, it might <laughs> have been. It, it could have been a big straw. It could have been a two by four. I have no idea. But I'm just what it, what it says to me is like it's this is the kind of ejection that you get with this team. Like this this that was a very 21-22 season how things are going meme kind of ejection for the Lakers. Your star who's having a tough night anyway is uh thrown out of the game while his shoe is off. Like okay, like that's that seems to fit where we are right now in the season. Can't keep your shoe on. And you get thrown out before you you get a chance to uh, to put that thing back on. That's where they are. Um, the Lakers really need LeBron James back in the lineup. If you watch them regularly, they are not playing good defense on a regular, consistent basis. I don't give a shit what the data says. They're just not. And in this is this is an area too where I think they miss LeBron a because he's one of their better defenders uh, when he's engaged, and b he can give you the best version of the offense and the best version of the offense will often give you the best version of the defense. And, you know, they, yeah. they miss even a guy like Kendrick Nunn, who is not a defensive stopper by any stretch of the imagination, but among their guards would be one of their better defenders. Like they, they need the best version defensively that they can put out on the floor. They need the best version of whatever position they have out there. And I think it's just, it's very difficult for them to do this on a regular basis. It, no no uh, yeah, matter how hard they try. Let's stick. Well, yeah. And I think this is what you're getting at is an important part of the way that this roster is made up um, and kind of circles back to that conversation that we have that will be ongoing throughout the year. So let's have it again now about what exactly is the capability, a realistic capability of this team defensively. Um, 
and even offensively, because like those things tie together and Carmelo Anthony cooling off a little bit, you know, him not shooting 60% from three point range seems to have an impact <laughs> on their ability to score. Um, so let's talk about all that stuff coming up next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody like me, an elite podcaster, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. It's a handheld percussive device that releases your deepest muscle tension while using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. The same thing I use while podcasting, while quiet as an electric toothbrush, which I could be, but that is terrible for podcasting. The Gen 4 Theragun gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Theragun even learns your behaviors, comes up with guided routines. We have one of these in our house. I know, Brian, you have one of them. Holy crap, they're amazing. They are awesome. They're trusted by 250 Professional sports teams like Real Madrid, professional athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, plus, again, can't emphasize this enough, elite podcasters like myself. So try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Again, theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Um. Yeah, so I looked it up. It was 12th. And, you know, the the Lakers, Andy, coming into Monday's game in terms of defensive efficiency. Um, the offense <laughs> is, uh, is is right down there in that bottom third. Uh, they are 23rd. Uh, they, they started, and that did not get better on, um, on, uh, on, uh, on Monday. And... You know, it's just it's it's funny, like sticking just with the defense part, but like the, I think those two those two are related. Um, and you know, the Lakers need to be able to score to control offense. They need to be able to get buckets uh, in transition to be able to set their defense and help you know make sure the teams are taking the ball out of their own basket more often than they than they have been. So, like I, I think perhaps even more than than most teams, the Lakers' defense is tied to their offense. But ultimately, too, I mean, they played Bazemore, for example. Um, you know, he got off the bench they, uh, and was able to get in the game. And I think his size and length mattered a little bit. At least it was, an, it was a reasonable attempt to try to change things up on guys like Levine and, and some, of, you know, some of the other longer the players that Chicago has. But, you know, it's, it's difficult for me and this will get to the Frank Vogel conversation, which we're going to have here in a second. It's difficult for me sometimes, I think, to, at least at this point, figure out the difference between roster shortcomings and coaching. Because on the one hand, we all knew that the roster was setting the coaching staff up for some really hard problems. But at the same time, there's sort of an expectation of like, look, they're trying to go win a title, fix it. Um, where are you uh, on that? Just in terms of just thinking about just about their defensive capability before we get to Frank Vogel, like well, just look at the I, roster. It was very apropos that this game would be coming against Alex Caruso because mm. he serves as a human reminder of what they are missing, if nothing else, defensively. You know, especially along the wing, he would be their best defender by far, like by I mean, an incredibly big margin 
on this particular By the way, team. perfect night for the is he worth it, isn't he worth it, Alex Caruso debate because uh, he takes one shot, which he missed, mm-hmm. didn't score a point, did have six uh, rebounds, five assists, two steals, and he was a plus 28. Yeah, it, so it's it, like, it, it, it felt was like a, him. It was a perfect night for this argument to happen. Yeah, it was basically uh, Alex Caruso passively, aggressively effing with his former team. But yeah. it, it was funny, though, beyond the fact that Caruso, you know, again, serves as that reminder of what they are missing defensively. I'm not saying that Caruso's absence will automatically make or break the Lakers' chances of winning a championship this year, particularly once, God willing, this roster actually is fully accounted for and intact. But again, even with all hands on deck, they do not have a guard as good as Caruso. That's just a fact defensively. But there was a guy in the crowd who was dressed as Alex Caruso. He's a pasty white bald dude who had on the white headband. And I just want everybody to know I was not at the game. So (laughs) He had had on a Caruso jersey. Uh, He got spotlighted by the Spectrum camera crew a few times. And down the stretch of the game when it was garbage time and things were completely out of hand, I tweeted out at Cam Brothers, let fake Caruso play play the last three minutes. Why not? And somebody responded to us, uh, Aaron Laban, he would be the Lakers' best perimeter defender. <laughs> it's true. I think even fake Caruso would at be some, the, like, at some be the point, best. You just have to start looking at this and going, the Lakers really have a, a problem stopping other guards. <laughs> it's yes. like, um, you know, John ja Morant lit him up, LaMelo. I mean, like the list of, of guards who have opposing guards who have lit up the Lakers this year is extensive. 15 games in (laughs) it's like all of the ones that they've played um and you start to go through it and and there's there's so much either or on this roster um if Carmelo isn't giving you what he was giving you through those first 10 games where it was just like this spectacular display of shooting and you know they've had to lean on him way way more than you would want to um at, 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 when they at signed him, Brian, in season. I, I thought he'd be playing under 20 minutes a night. I think they were hoping that. <laughs> um, but they certainly not only, I mean, even if the minutes were higher, I think the load he's had to carry, um, both offensively and defensively, is way beyond what they want. And he looks tired. I mean, I think yeah. the last few couple games, he looks tired. Nine points uh, on Monday, missed all four of his three-pointers. And you start to go through it. He's old, man. <laughs> he is. He's an old person. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, it's like, you know, the 1230 start is like, why so late <laughs> on he's, Sunday? Let's I mean, get he's going Danny Glover up. and Lethal Weapon. He's getting too old for this bleep, I, man. I was, you know, Carmelo was up peeing at four. He was like, let's go play. It's fine. But, you know, Avery Bradley is, if you accept that Avery Bradley is is a high-end defender, and I don't, but, you know, that's the premise. He may be, look, he may be on this team. He may be, but like set that aside. Um, he does not provide you any kind of real reliable offense. He just doesn't. I mean, like he can hit some outside shots, whatever, like that's, but you know, every now and then he'll have 17 against Miami, but for the most part, if he gets double digits, that's going to be a surprise either, either, or THT had 28 points, sort of a lot of it was backloaded, but you know, he was trying like, you know, and, and, you know, you could still see 
you know, the value of certainly of having him back on both sides of the ball in Monday's game. But, you know, Bazemore played 12 minutes. He only took one shot. Um, Ellington missed five of the six three-pointers he took, either or. Monk missed four of the five shots he took, either or. Like, you're just... I, and I, I don't know what the solution is to this other than you get all of these guys back. But even then, Andy, I think you're... You're 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 setting yourself up for a situation where basically on any given night you have zero idea of what you're going to get from any of these guys with, I think, the exception of THT. I think they're hoping that THT and perhaps none can be somewhat consistent in their performance <laughs> assuming but Kendrick when Nunn the hell is, still, is he gonna ever play i was gonna say assuming he's still on this team like it's even acknowledging the lakers give you absolutely no information whatsoever that is reliable about the health status of a player once they're injured like it kendrick nunn has been a ghost like i have heard nothing about him at all it's a it's a little bit disconcerting it's like they they're almost like it's like he's not even on the team. <laughs> or or you know like what? you know Ken I don't I don't know who you're talking about. Or he's who just going to suddenly play on Wednesday. I have no idea. Um but like, you know, so the 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 2 to 3 weeks where he'd be reevaluated basically was last week. Um and um basically Vogel said, I think it was before Monday that um he's he's away. He's a ways away. And if, if the Lakers are saying you're a ways away, like LeBron might play Wednesday uh, in in Milwaukee, but Vogel, as soon as the question day to day, like nah, rah, 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 um, like Kendrick Dunn, ways away. Like I, who the hell knows when we're going to see him? So that it's it is a difficult thing to try to figure out how to play when you don't know exactly. You have no idea what you're going to get from about. 80% of your team, which again, just gets to how built around those three stars this team is. And when they're not available, it doesn't work as yeah. well. I mean, you I mean, know, the, it just doesn't. The hopeful version is once you have all three guys regularly there, uh, you know, the superstars, the rest of the guys, you will get a more consistent best version of them. You know, then that's typically how role players oh, sure. work. And unless, unless you're talking about, super high-end role players, for the most part, they're fairly reliant on having their superstars there. You know, they're they're meant to be complementary players. But if nothing else, it would be really reassuring to get all these guys on the damn court at once yeah. so we can just, start it, really, really seeing what this is. There's no question. There's the, the normal inconsistency, I think, that you're getting at, which is true of all role players. And then there's the you must choose inconsistency of you can have offense or you can have defense and you may not be able to have both. And then, you know, combine that with Malik Monk's going to have nights where he's not lighting it up offensively. And okay, then, well, well, what are you left with at that point? How quickly do you pull triggers on guys and start switching, you know, people out or whatever. Whereas last season, you know, Caruso, for example, you know, the criticism was a valid one. He is not a dynamic offensive player who, but you knew, you knew exactly what you were going to get from him night in and night out. And then sometimes you get the points, but you get all the other little things. The one thing you know you're not going to get is a lot of scoring and willing shot taking. But, you know, KCP 
was inconsistent in terms of being a role player, but could play on both sides of the ball. Kuzma was inconsistent in sometimes as a role player, but could play on both sides of the ball. They don't have that this year. Um, and it put, puts Frank Vogel in a tough spot. And Andy, people are talking about his job. So let's do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it's impossible to stock all the parts you would need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more on the exact same parts at a chain store or new car dealership anyway, dummy? You can get it for far less at rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. So whether it's for your classic or for your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. As an example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, 353 bucks from a chain store, only 216 from Rock Auto. That is a better deal. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on on the how did you hear us, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Hey, uh, Andy, Locked on Lakers. It's also brought to you by betonline.ag. Basketball, it's back. It's better than ever. And with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before, betonline.ag remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Uh, so head on over now to the new updated desktop or mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% uh, welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive that bonus. And so from basketball, football, baseballs, gosh, guys, got to take that out. <laughs> we'll read whatever copy you put in front of me. Boxing and UFC, right to your favorite uh, Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. I love scotch, 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 scotch. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Frank Vogel is the, the, the chatter around him at least – it's, it's it's being talked about. Frank Vogel's job security is 100% being talked about. He's not being reported on as something the Lakers are necessarily considering. It is not. But like the, the murmurs about what happens if this keeps going on are out there. Where do you stand on the sort of the second half of the question we were talking about in the last segment? The That differentiation between this is clearly a flawed roster, particularly if you're trying to construct a good defense. And is Frank Vogel doing a good enough job with what he's got in front of him? It's a um, really hard question. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure if you can really answer if he's doing the best job possible because you know that he doesn't have a full roster and he has not had a full roster since training camp began. So everything that he's been looking to build since the moment the season opened, he hasn't been able to do. Mm -hmm. So any coach, I don't care how great they are, they would be operating with, you know, if not a hand tied behind their back, certainly not the full use of that arm in, in terms of what they're looking to do. You know, at the same time, though, it was interesting when you were talking about the, the personnel that's there. This is not personnel that is really tailor-made to what Frank Vogel wants to do or like a Frank Vogel identity team. Mm -mm. And, you know, Frank Vogel is a defense first, defense second, defense third, and maybe offense fourth type of coach. I mean, that's just the way that he operates. You know, he is 
given good personnel, not even necessarily great, but good, he can be an elite defensive coach. He is somebody that you and I have both thought needs a lot of help offensively. And that could explain a lot of the moves the Lakers did during the offseason. It could also, I think, reflect front office uh, worldviews. It could affect, uh, It could reflect what LeBron and AD wanted. But what they have right now is not a great match for Vogel on top of the disadvantages that he's had. And sometimes the bad match thing can become something that just bleeds into the entire season and what you have. Like a few years, uh, several years ago when we covered uh, the Mike Brown era, Mike Brown was temperamentally a terrible coach for a team with, you know, champion, you know, championship pedigree, that many veterans. Mike Brown was much too meticulous, much too laborious, much too let's do this one drill a hundred times during practice for a team with that experience. And in that sense, he was a bad match for that team and it was never going to go anywhere. I don't think Vogel is necessarily a bad match at that level, but this has felt like a difficult start for Vogel being in a position of being in a bad match. This is the the conversation that people were worried about for last year. You know, that didn't materialize because the Lakers got off to a great start. It is the conversation that people were worried about when they hired Frank Vogel in the first place. Um, you know, with with Jason Kidd and all the jokes there. And like, but they got off to a great start and that didn't materialize. This has always been there. Like sort of the you know the the lack of of deep investment that the 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 team has made in him, um, you know, only extending him by one year after winning a title, um, <laughs> that is that sets you up for this kind of thing. And I I, I think that what's funny to me is like the 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 questions about Vogel are exactly the same as they've always been. He is not a particularly creative def- uh, offensive coach. Um, and the defense, uh, you know, they didn't play well on Monday, but the defense, you know, has sort of broadly overperforms based on the personnel that you provide. And to some degree, that's been the blueprint this year. I I don't know what the – I also – two things have to happen with with coaching changes. You, you have to have a better alternative and – you know, so you have to have like a, a purpose here. Like, what do you plan on getting out of changing coaches? Is it because you just, you know, the guys give up on you or, uh, you know, your stars wants a, a different person, but can you replace this with a better option? And if the answers to those questions, you know, aren't in the affirmative in the way you want, I think you keep going with Vogel. I don't think the one thing I think that doesn't always, doesn't play into this as I struggle to kind of work through the question even is fairness. It's not, none of this is fair. You know, I mean, Vogel has been given a very difficult hand. Everybody's been hurt and, um, it's, it hasn't been whole, but that doesn't necessarily matter. Well, acknowledging that fair ain't got nothing to do with it. Uh, this is just the situation. And sometimes you get to a place where it's, how do you fix the situation? How do you change things? Even if the ideal change mechanism isn't there, you recognize something needs to change. I don't know if that change needs to be Vogel, but if you're looking for certain elements 
that could lead you to believe, if nothing else, that Vogel, that his job security could be in flux, you had mentioned the idea of a better alternative. David Fisdale is tight with LeBron. And when he got brought on to this staff, it was easy to at least imagine him as Jason Kidd part due. And if you recall, Jason Kidd was basically mandatory to be on the staff of whoever the Lakers hired after Luke Walton. And one reason for that was, without question, his relationship with LeBron. So there, there is one thing that I'm not saying, I'm not saying definitively that Fizdale's presence puts Vogel on the hot seat. I'm just saying No, but it, it does, at the very there. least it creates the, but I mean, the, the, the only, the, the big difference there is, particularly with Fizdale, and not that Jason Kidd's head coaching career was, you know, just nothing but peaks and no valleys. Um, Fizdale's last run as a head coach was a fairly unmitigated disaster. Sure. Um, and but, I just, I, the part but, that But I think, here's the thing, though. Okay, go here's, ahead. Here's the thing in terms of that. You are correct. Fizdale as, Fizdale as a head coach does not have a stellar track record to lean back on. But again, those relationships, particularly with LeBron, I would assume with Anthony Davis, matters. LeBron also has a history of having a head coach replaced by somebody unproven. In that case, with Ty Lue, they won a championship. Um, it's also, I think, relevant here to point out that ever since the Lakers permanently parted ways with Phil Jackson, they've had no idea what they want in a coach. Mm -hmm. Like that has been very obvious that they do not have a clear vision of what of who they want, what type of guy that they want in that chair. When you go from Mike Brown to Mike D'Antoni to Byron Scott to Luke Walton to Frank Vogel in a little bit over a decade, it's pretty obvious you have no clue what you want. And Frank Vogel was nowhere close to the first choice. Right. He was their third choice at best. at best. The other thing, though, that got me thinking about this when you and I were, uh, before we go, but that got me thinking about this was just, Seeing yet another third quarter struggle for this team, and it makes you wonder at least what's being said, you know, heading into the second half in the locker room. Is it being received? You know, is is he holding the attention of this group? Are the adjustments good? And I and I acknowledge Frank Vogel is in a difficult position to make adjustments I, yeah, given who's missing. Yeah. But also, I think it is easier to adjust against him. But just in terms of something that you look at, and this is something that everybody looks at, in terms of gauging you know, how sort of the, the temperature of a team, when you constantly come out either flat or poor or disorganized, seemingly disinterested, third quarters. whatever. Yeah, all year. That is something that is going to make you wonder, fairly or not, about Frank Vogel. It just will. And so, all right. So the Lakers are about to go on a, a difficult trip. They are going to, uh, there's a, a, even with LeBron coming back, there's an, a, a certainly a very reasonable chance they come back under 500. Um, that will not reduce this conversation. It will not make this conversation go away. And as we uh, start, we, we've talked a little bit about it. There is a, an interesting uh, relationship here between the front office who have made a ton of moves and the coaching staff and all these things. And and if they do, and this is something maybe we'll talk about for Wednesday's show, um, struggle going forward. I'm very curious to see what kinds of signals get sent um, about what they will do on the coaching front. But 
a topic for tomorrow, perhaps, Andy. Um, thank everybody for making us your first listen of every day. Find a second Locked On podcast to make you Locked On Bets. Got a gambling thing? You like to put the, the bets down? That's a show for you. Uh, again, I like that fantasy show with Josh Lloyd. Um, we will see everybody Wednesday. Thanks.